everybody. Welcome to Afterthoughts. This is a podcast from the pastors here at Christ Fellowship Cherrydale. We're a church in Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm here with Brandon and Matt, and we're here to talk about some topics from Sunday and maybe some other things too. So Matt, what are we talking about today? All right, we're going to talk about what practices have you put in place in your marriage to get your eyes off of yourself and get them toward God and toward the good of your spouse. I think that the the challenge of always thinking of yourself is best dealt with by actively looking for opportunities to serve others. And so if I just think, man, I need to think about me less, I'm still thinking about me. But if I consider here's the to-do list of things that would really help Carla out with some things that she was asking for around the house. Here's how I could grab the kids and trying to proactively make some space for your spouse um, are good ways to kind of put it to death. Cause I would always like to like be done for the day when I get home. And I would always like to be done by myself. Not always, but I, generally speaking, the smaller the circle, the less impact, the better for me. Cause I want, that's how I recharge. Uh, but if I instead say it'd be better for me to go home and, and give more energy, give better energy to these relationships that no one else can serve this way uh, than I do to the people that I'm around all day who, in all of my jobs, I'm ultimately replaceable. At home, I'm not. There's there's no way that somebody else can be biological dad to my kids, can be first husband to my wife, you know? So I, I need to hold those in high regard and give them better energy, better focus, I think, than even my, my commercial work or other things that I do. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think a good of the practice is, you think Philippians 2, we've mentioned this text a good bit, but the, the actively don't look out for your own interests, but consider the interest of others. That's not a passive, well, if it so happens that you bump into somebody and you, you know, kind of a need drops in your lap, then you serve them. But it's like actively thinking, what do I do to uh, to think of others, to consider them as more important than myself. And if I do that, then I think the the corollary blessing is I start to think of myself less because I'm prioritizing others. And w- what I was indicating about the, the benefit is it's a really good way to live just in general life to, like, how do I make other people's lives easier, better, simpler, uh, more joyful, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is. And if I get good at doing that with Sarah, well, then odds are I'm going to be better at doing that with somebody in the church or my friends, whatever the relationship, you know, circle is that, that I run in. So for me, that is, has been an intentional, like disciplined practice to say, what are the, you know, what are the two or three things that would make Sarah's life better today? Um, I'm an early riser, so that's just a discipline every morning. Hey, what's what's something that needs to show up on my agenda today that would make Sarah's life better, easier? A challenge for us through the years and, and still at points is the thing that I think would make Sarah's life better isn't always the thing that she would feel makes life better or is most helpful to her. So kind of learning not necessarily what, what do I think she needs, but what does she actually need and um, how would she receive that best uh, has been been some learning curve. But I think the intentionality to stop, think, um, kind of redirect energy to someone else uh, in our marriages is a really, really good thing. Brandon, I think it's easier to think about uh, marriage as like for your spouse because there's another person. You kind of have a sense of 
who they are, what they need. And obviously there's some learning that comes with that. But Mark was arguing that marriage is primarily for God. That's a little bit more cryptic, maybe a little bit harder for us to think. What does it mean for marriage to be for God? So can you give us any like clarifying thoughts, maybe of uh, what that means and or how would we evaluate if we're living unto the Lord or for God or for God's glory? Yeah, so I think that the there's a lot of Christian life that's for God, that is God word, that is mundane, everyday, daily stuff. So if we're thinking, um, was it First Corinthians ten? You know, um, whatever you do, eat, drink, do it all to the glory of God. Uh, there's also thinking about the the imagery in Ephesians 5, which is where most people's minds go when they think about New Testament teaching on marriage to talk about how the way that a husband loves his wife, the way that this marriage functions reflects the way that God loves his church, the way that Jesus loves the church. And so when you are living out the daily dying to self, the daily looking out for the good of, the daily choosing the other, and stooping and whatever it takes to to build up if the intent of my heart in doing those things is so that god is glorified is so that i'm doing my best to faithfully image the way that jesus loves the church that you can redeem a lot of honey-do lists and washing the dishes and changing diapers and doing the things that just need to be done when you're doing them in a way that's for the other and for the Lord. And then I think that there's also the, the, the bigger, what I think really helps to create alignment so that it's easier to do those things is to say, there's a, a, a mission that our family is on. And that could be different depending on what it is. At some point in the past, the mission for Matt and Sarah was, we're going to plant a church in Greenville. We're on a mission to do this. We're on the same team. We're going to, we're going to push. So these other mundane things need to come under this mission and they have a purpose that's not just grinding through life. Um, your, your family, it might not be that your goal is to plant a church or to preach a sermon on Sunday or to lead a mission trip or to do these things, but it, it certainly can be, we want to be missionaries to our neighborhood. We, we want to show the people that interact with us when I have lunch at the office that I love my wife and I, I like to talk about the good things that are going on in my marriage and I love my church and I like to talk about the good things that are going on there. I love my relationship with the Lord and this is why I have hope. And you can start to align and say, oh, we're going to use our home for hospitality for the sake of building up the body and equipping people or for the sake of evangelizing and all these mundane day-to-day -day basic things start to take on kind of heavenly purpose in our minds if we're aiming them at God instead of kind of doing them as they need to be done. Yeah, and I think of the things you said, the, the, the piece that gives that some magnetism is the local church. Like if it's, so on one level, I think you're exactly right. The, I'm modeling the gospel when I clean up diapers, when I, you know, whatever the, the kind of grind is that I'm doing. When I think about something being for God, I'm obviously honoring him, not being things that are, not doing things that are displeasing to him, but also being caught up in his mission like and and this is the the language of helpmate that I, that we see in the genesis text that's denoting something of like there's a functional task that's being given it's not merely relational harmony but we're actually 
brought together to do something. And I think this goes to Paul's argument of why some should remain single. You're eat up with cares and concerns of the world, thus you're not as able, as free to be about the mission. So those of us that have chosen to get married, we're saying we can come together to be more effective in the work, whatever the work is that God has put before us together than we could uh, individually. And so when I think, you know, my Tuesday is my marriage for God, I'm thinking the host of things that throughout this day that are happening that are um, that Sarah and I are partnering together, though we're not together right now, we're partnering together in the work to accomplish things for our church and to participate in mission. And we're going to go knock on doors tonight and invite people to an Easter service. And Corey and I are getting on a plane tomorrow to go to Turkey. And there's a lot of kind of grunt work in that, but it's it's all for the sake of other people in and through our local church. And so the more we've, in, in seminary, maybe pre-seminary even, it was really common to like have hard either ors between family and church. You know, you want to protect time for your family. Don't let the church eat up all your family time. And as a general rule, I think that's kind of silly. I think there's probably some helpful boundaries that, that we can set. But Sarah and I have worked really hard to say, like, just our local, this is our people. This is, this is the space that we're giving ourselves to. And so family and church just collide in a, in a host of ways. And um, that's all how we're participating in the mission. The second session was around the area of sin. And one of the images that was sticky was this um, kind of marriage is a full-length mirror that helps you see uh, yourself, your sinfulness, your brokenness. Be curious, what, maybe if you could isolate one area, what has marriage most contributed to in terms of your sanctification? Yeah, it's, uh, I was um, blessed with a, a strong-minded and outspoken wife. And so um, there are, and that, I mean blessed because I have a hard head and it's easy for me to think that I'm doing things right when I'm not. And so she is very helpful in a lot of those cases to say these are places where you're being proud or these are places where you're you're not willing to apologize or these are places where you know iterations on that theme and so sometimes just having the the clarity of just direct communication to say this is where you're dropping the ball right now and i need your help or this is where you're dropping the ball right now and it's affecting other people like this has been really a benefit it's not always comfortable it's not always fun but it is uh, definitely a help. Yeah, I was thinking in, in how much, you know, there's some seasonality to that. I think we could always say, you know, selfishness, pride, maybe maybe even that first decade that gets exposed in some unique ways as we're dealing with the complexities of post-college syndrome and just being in the same space with another person. I think at this stage, 19 years in, I need the Lord to enlarge my capacity to be thankful to really count as joy the blessings that he has in my life. I tend to be a hard driver, and it's easy for me to see things that are undone, things that need to be done, what's next. Um, and really seeking the Lord to grow and the ability to just sit in whatever the moment is God has us in at that time and say, man, there's, there's just a host of good things that are in our lives right now that 
we don't deserve that. I never would have crafted 20 years ago when I was, you know, on the front end of this dating thing. And I, I just don't do a good enough job consistently of stilling myself and giving thanks to the Lord for those. So I'm, I am growing in, am increasingly thankful for, um, yeah, just, um, or set, set another way, we were preaching on kind of the problem of evil uh, maybe a year ago now and just kind of pointing out the the problem of good is probably more complex than the problem of evil. It's not really any wonder that we have bad things that happen in a sin-broken world, but the fact that we would have so much good in a world that's fractured with sin. So just to think, I've got a good marriage and a wife who loves me and five kids that, um, yeah, there's just some good fruit there. And it's sad that it takes me so long for my heart to really warm to, man, God's been really generous, uh, generous to us as a family. Um, as you think about takeaways from a weekend like that, so marriage retreats are kind of carved out placeholders for us, good habits for the church once a year or so to do something that focuses on on marriage. What would you say are some kind of leaving thoughts or, or sticky ideas that, that you guys have been noodling around now that you've had 48 hours or so to, to reflect on the weekend? I think it was it was helpful to me to have some time to just hang out with my wife with unhurried no kids no responsibilities or minimal responsibilities it made that it made that more fun we've been in a pretty busy pace season lately and so thinking about it from a a task perspective i need to put something on the calendar so that we can hang out took the joy out of it a little bit and then uh, just having the unhurried time to spend together made it refreshed that aspect to say man i I really want to turn this some kind of weekly habit into let's let's just have some time to hang out more than we've been able to do recently and then uh on top of that you know the the humility piece and one of the things that kind of came out in session talk was like it's one thing to apologize and it's another thing it seems to ask for forgiveness and so trying to take steps in humility and putting her first in picking those things up and then some of the stuff that we talked about already about thinking of thinking on alignment and are we both shooting for the same target of godliness and mission? And if yes, great, that makes everything else easier to deal with. And if no, what do we need to do to get more closely online for this season of life? Yeah, that's good. To the forgiveness point, I've been thinking about um, you know that that address towards sin issues, but also just positively, I probably don't do a good enough job with the hey man, this happened, and like I'm really thankful to that to to you guys, like uh, to my friends, and then certainly to Sarah to to be more like verbal in, like, I noticed you did this and that was a real blessing. Like, I really appreciate that. I don't want to be the the guy that's only verbalizing the, will you forgive me things, but also verbalizing like positively. Hey man, I, I saw something happen in and through you that was like really, really good. And I'm super thankful for, for that. I think that was something Mark and Harriet both did really well with a group of us after the retreat is just to be able to sit down and, speak to specific wins they had seen from each of us through the weekend. And Brandon and I were talking about how affirming that is to have somebody like take notice of something and say, you you really did a good job there. And if I want kind of my wife to thrive health there, uh, I think the more overt I can be in, in sharing specific ways that she was a blessing. Uh, I think I assume, well, she, she obviously knows, and then we can all kind of, 
drift to this like entitlement stage. Well, th- this is just what my wife does. She's really good at doing that, but that's not, I mean, it's like, man, like God built my wife and she does some specific things really, really well. And I don't want to get tired of telling her those things that, that are really helpful. Walker, were there any, any things you've been mulling over in the uh, time since the street? Yeah. Um, the reminder that the house and the home and my marriage is my full-time job and not my occupation. That's my, the first priority just for that. That, that was a good reminder. Just the humility of Dr. Lederbach was really encouraging. I love it when some, a teacher says, hey, I don't have all this figured out, but these are some tools that I've kind of learned along the way. That's always just so encouraging to me. There was a time that you guys were doing a panel, and the question was, hey, pretty much same thing. What are the things you're taking away from the weekend? And Dr. Lederbach had things he was taking away from the weekend, even the teacher. So that was really encouraging. The last sticky thing that... I've just kind of been thinking about is was the sponge analogy or illustration that whatever you're putting into your life in a moment of pressure, it's gets squeezed and that's the thing that's gonna that's gonna come out. So the you know, is the story of the guy coming home in a hurry and they were getting the kids in the car, trying to get to this place, and then the wife just in a moment locked the keys in the car and he comes and just explodes on his but it was, it was the frustration and the tension that was he had built up inside. Grace and love were the natural things to come out in the moment. So that was just a good reminder to make, to make sure that I'm filling myself with grace and love towards my wife and, and kids. Uh, just selfish. Yeah, anxiety. that's really good. We opened, or the, the conference opened with this idea of the cultural kind of low bar view of marriage, people bemoaning marriage, people, you know, kind of celebrating it leading up to, and then, you know, the longer marriage goes, the more of a grind it becomes, and the more people, you know, just quip all sorts of silliness about, you know, ball and chain and how discouraging uh, the process can be. And so just want to, you know, anybody that's listening to say, the gospel calls us to a far higher view of that, that marriage is a really beautiful and good thing. If you aspire to be married, um, that you would see that as something like a worthy call and something to give your life to and to grow in love. Um, really, you know, just to, to see Mark and Harriet in 32 years of marriage and to, to see couples that can age well and age in deepness of love and intimacy with one another. I think that's a follow me as I follow Christ uh, call for me. And hopefully then the marriages that at our stages, the Caps and Simpsons and Rogers are, are that for others in our church. That's like they, they seem to actually like each other and their marriage seems to be going well. And that's a good thing. And we should celebrate that. And then two kind of parting thought would be your marriage is always preaching this notion of marriage as evangelism, portraying Christ's love for the church. And Mark's point is you really can't turn that off. Like you can't stop preaching. You're either preaching a really good sermon or a really bad sermon. And so if you didn't get to go on the retreat with us or you're just dropping in from somewhere else, like to, to think like what kind of sermon is my marriage preaching right now? In the side moments when I'm talking to some friends, like, am I holding a just a genuine love for my marriage? Am I am I holding that in high regard, or am I belittling my spouse um, when we interact with one another? Or are we setting a picture that's like, man, I that 
that is the kind of love that that God shows His people. I think that's um, that's something to give our lives to, and something that we're going to continue to pursue. You know, the the reason you do marriage retreats in the church is that you you don't master this virtue or this practice at year seven and then just coast the rest of your life. You're constantly having to come back and reevaluate and put some pieces together. And so hopefully this retreat was that for the couples that went. And then this podcast maybe was a primer on some thoughts that you can apply. So we um, really pumped that you were on with us. And please ask our wives about our first date story because they will enjoy telling you way more than we enjoyed and will probably tell it differently than we did. So we will see you Sunday. Mm-hmm.